I'm on? All right. Praise God. How many love the Lord? How many felt his presence? Amen. Well, we can go ahead and release uh, Flip 180. If you have a 5th uh, through 8th grade, they can be released now to go back to their class. And I uh, just want to say uh, hello to Harold and Judy Guffey and their family. So good to have you back from Florida. For those of you who are not aware, they were a part of New Covenant for years, and they moved to Florida three years ago, and they're back visiting. So make sure you uh, grab their neck and sell them high. So good to see you. Amen. Well, I, I want to remind us, as we've been talking about the Lord's love this morning, um, I heard several, several testimonies this morning that people shared, and uh, again, it's about God's love, uh, but uh, um, Charlene was sharing earlier how um, her husband, Sean, had a dream last night, and in the dream, um, their freezer at the, at the cafe had went out, and so uh, Sean got up this morning and went to the cafe, and uh, that dream was exactly what uh, had happened. And they saved their product, and uh, Sean, is, Sean is there. Sean is there taking care of their product so that they didn't have a loss. But the Lord, in his great love and his great mercy, gave Sean a dream and saved the product. Jeff Julian was sharing yesterday how they were coming on 70, and the rain was coming down, and two semis jackknifed in front of them, and that the, it was the grace of God, or they would not be alive today. Uh, how God, in His great mercy and His great love, He uh, He blesses His kids, and we are we don't realize how many times we're spared by the grace of God. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. God's love. She is a tither. Amen. She, and God protects her stuff. And uh, but it's really about God's goodness, even beyond my performance. I want to tell you, it's not about my performance. It is about God's grace, and as we submit to his grace, his grace covers us, even when we do not deserve it. Can I have an amen? amen. It is goes, none of us are getting what we deserve. None of us in this room are getting what we deserve. I don't know one of you that is obtaining to the glory of God right now in your life. I don't know anybody in this room who is so holy that your name is Jesus. <laughs> There's only one who was holy. There's only one who lived a sinless life, and he paid it all for you. And that's called amazing love. Can I have an amen on that? Amazing, amazing love. And so, uh, yes, I believe God blesses those who tithe. God rewards those who diligently seek him. That is the word of God. But it's still about his goodness. It's still about his goodness. It's still about his goodness. Can I have an amen on that? Yes. Well, we've been talking and we've been sharing in the word about Ephesians. We've been going through the six chapters of Ephesians, and we're going to continue today with chapter five. And for some reason, my flash drive that was my daughter's did not work on her Apple computer. So you guys are going to get to 
to see Chad scroll with me today. You don't get my PowerPoint today. So if Chad, you don't mind, go ahead and put up the first uh, verse of chapter five. We're going to go ahead and write and get in your word. If you have your Bible with you today, turn to the fifth chapter of Ephesians, and we're going to continue our study about God's amazing, amazing, amazing grace and what he's done for us. And how the first three chapters of Ephesians talk about what God has done for you. He has seated you in heavenly places. He has called you. He's chosen you. You are seated in amazing places in Christ. Amen? And so the first three chapters are about sitting in that truth. Sitting in the fact that I am a saint. I am holy. I am blameless. I am without sin. And you look at yourself and you go, oh gosh, you don't know about me. No, the fact is because you accepted Christ, you are now seated in heavenly places. Because your knee has bowed, because your tongue has confessed Jesus Christ is Lord, has your knee done that and has your tongue done that? If you have confessed Christ and you've made him your Lord of your life, you now are called a saint. You are now called holy and blameless. You are now called a son and a daughter of the Most High God. You are that. Say, I am that. That is who I am. Though this outward shell may not look that way, Though your performance may not look that way yet, though your obedience and your holiness has many flaws in it, the truth is in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, that is who you are. And that has been, is what God has given you. And you must sit and rest in that before you do anything. You must come to a revelation of, wow, Jesus loves me, this I know, (laughs) that he has rescued me from this body of death, that he has saved my soul, not because of great things that I do, but because of his wonderful, amazing grace. Can I have an amen again? And so now, as we've went through one, two, three, now we hit four last week, we're going to hit five today, and now Paul's talking to the church in Ephesus. I want to remind you of what was going on in the church of Ephesus, because now he's saying to them, I want to teach you now how to walk. Now that you know your identity and who you are in me, who you are in Christ, Now Paul is moving and he's transitioning in the scripture and now he's saying, now I want to show you a greater way to walk. Because the Ephesians were full of sexual immorality. They worshiped Artemis. They they worshiped other idols and all kinds of stuff. And it was a sexually perverted city that had greed and entertainment and everything that you see in America was going on in Ephesus It was going on there. But it was absence. There was an absence of the deity of God. There was an absence of Yahweh in this city. And now after three years and Paul preaching in this city, them coming to Christ and getting saved, he leaves and he's in prison and now he's writing this letter and he's saying, after two and a half to three years of me being gone, I want to teach you a greater way of how to walk. 
Because my friends, just all the sins and all the struggles that you go through in your life, guess what? It ain't new. <laughs> everything that you struggle with, every sin that is known to man, everything that goes through your cranium, the battlefield of your mind, that is where the battle is. Can I have an amen? That battlefield right there, yours is not any different than mine. I am not better than you. But this battlefield right here, everything that goes on in yours was going on in the people of Ephesus. And Paul is coming now, and he's telling them the foundation of their faith, the foundation of their identity. And now we come to chapter 5, and Paul begins to elaborate more. We're, gonna, we're actually, chapter 5 is only reinforcement of what we talked about last week. Actually, you're going to hear me repeat things that I preached yet last week. Why? Because Paul is repeating things that he said in chapter 4. And I, I really believe that we're not getting something. Just like the church in Ephesus, some of us are slow of learning. Can I have a witness? <laughs> Repetition must bring some revelation. So you're going to hear me repeat some things today because it's repeated in chapter 5. Are you guys okay with that? If you go home today and say, man, that almost sounded like last week's message. <laughs> Praise God. That's what Paul did in his letter to the church. And so today we're going to go into how do we go from sitting to now how do we go from walking. Walking in what Paul says, because you can't walk without sitting. And we've been talking about sitting in heavenly places and being seated with Christ. Say, I'm seated with Christ. I'm seated with Christ. Do you believe that? I'm seated with Christ. I am with him. I am his and he is mine. I am his and he is mine. He calls me son. And I know I share this revelation all the time. But it's this thing of man of all the eggs in my mother's womb. I was created. Of all of what could have come out of your mama, Mike? It was you, Mike. You. <laughs> Amazing love. Yeah. Ashley, of all the men you could have married, it was him. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Think about it. You are created by Almighty God. Amazing. I don't care if your mama and dad have wanted you, you were wanted by God. My mom and dad did not think they could afford the third child, which was me. They did not think that baby Huey was possible according to the dollars. Okay? My mama has told me over and over, I'm so glad God chose to give us you. She's told me that. Because we were not trying. Because we knew you would eat way too much. <laughs> and that was a prophetic word. <laughs> but God in his sovereignty, God in his providence, gave you me and me to you. Right? 
So what we're going to do today is we're going to go back to the Scripture, and we're going to follow chapter six or 5, and we're not going to get very far. But we're going to have a lot of fun in the Word of God today because the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it divides, and it conquers, and it brings light, and it brings revelation, and it shows me the way I'm to walk. I mean, really, think about it. Even what we're going to read today, we're going to read the whole chapter, and then I'm going to start going back up to one. Just think about this. If you didn't know what evil was, how would you know what to reflect? If the Word of God did not say that sexual immorality was wrong, how would you know that it's wrong? How would you know to reflect something different? And so the word is not this thing where it's trying to condemn you because you have so much wrong with you. But the word is there to show you what the holy example is so that you can try to obtain that through Christ. Not through your own effort, not through your own strength, but through his strength. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. So we're going to read the whole chapter because we're not going to get through the whole chapter today. And there's going to be things in it that are highlighted for you that you may want to go back and study. So we're going to read the whole thing and then we're going to go back to the top. All right, so let's read together. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's whole, everybody say holy people. Holy. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For, uh, for of this, you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you Ephesians, you are light in the Lord. You were once darkness, but now church of Newcastle, you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of life consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Stay there. Find out what pleases the Lord. Everybody say that with me. Find out what pleases the Lord. That's your job. Find out what pleases him. Then keep going. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Wake up, America. Wake up and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine in you and on you. But be very careful then how you live. Be very careful, church, then how you live, not as unwise but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Are the days evil? Yes. Absolutely. Therefore, since the days are evil, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. 
Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks to the Father for everything. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Husbands and wives, this is to us. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but what? Holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed it and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are all members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. We're having a marriage today. This is a profound mystery, but I'm really talking about Christ and the church. That's good. So there's this mystery. So let's go ahead and go back up to verse 1. We're not going to get through all this. And I really, if you really, really, really pay attention to this, this chapter is really, really profound in that it's telling you how you should walk as a Christian. It's giving you the what a Christian should look like by showing you what it, you shouldn't be doing, right? Really. I mean, it's saying, don't let these things be in your life. And then it's saying, but do this, Okay. And so, but if the, the funny thing about this is where is it that Paul starts? Does Paul start with telling you what you should not do? Does Paul hammer the church in Ephesus? The, the first three chapters, he, I mean, he did get into in chapter three and he started talking about some of the sins of the flesh of the way we used to be. But does he start in this chapter, what does he start with? He says, follow God's example Therefore, as dearly loved children. So he's telling you, follow, that word follow there also means to imitate God. Imitate God's example, therefore, as what? As dearly loved children. Go to the next verse. And walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now leave that there, Chad, if you don't mind. We are getting ready to read and get into this. The example that God has set, and here's what's going on inside of me. To be honest with you, as I was studying all this week and just seeking the Lord, I could not get out of, chapter, of verse 1 and 2. I could not get out of verse 1 and 2 because the Lord kept saying to me, even for my own life, Eric, I want to bring a greater revelation to your heart. Does anybody want a greater revelation? 
See, I believe it's revelation that will bring transformation to your life. I don't believe it's knowledge. I believe knowledge puffs you up. And if I give you knowledge today and you go home with facts, those facts are not going to be what changes you. It's when you leave this place, just like in the service today, there was this place where we got where God was asking us and he was wanting you to ask him, Lord, what revelation are you trying to bring me when it comes to your love? As the prophetic words came about faith as a child and gumdrops and whatever, you know, I, uh, you know that, that, I mean, there, were, there was a message in all that that seemed really infant, but yet God was trying to speak something to our hearts. And even today, as I'm sharing the, and ministering the word of God today, I feel God all over this message. I feel God all over verse 1 and 2, where he's trying to get the church out of putting the cart before the horse. The body of Christ all over America, I see it, I see it in my own life. We try to live a holy life before we get a revelation of his love. We try to work hard at cleaning this vessel up. Trying to, to deny the flesh of all the cravings that it wants before we actually receive and understand the love and the salvation in which we have been given through Christ. You guys are awful quiet on me. I'm not saying that we don't clean up our lives. I'm not saying that the, the, the effort that we put in trying to become like Christ, we want to become imitators of his love, but he says walk in love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Understand what Christ has done for you and out of what he has done for you, then you will have the power to become a living sacrifice. You will then have the power to overcome sin in your life. Follow God's example. 1 John 5 used to just torment me, if I'd be honest with you. 1 John 5 says this, if you love me, you will obey me. Well, I just thought I must not love God. Because I was not doing a really good job of obeying him. Anybody smoked that pipe before? I had been born again, I had given my heart to Christ, and I was really trying hard, hard to obey God. Anybody tried hard to obey God? How's it working for you? Sometimes good, and then you have these catastrophic volcanoes that happen in your life, and it sets you back. Do real good for a while. And then all hell breaks loose, and it's like, I must not be born again. <laughs> I must not love God, or I wouldn't have done that. Been there, done that? Well, here in this chapter, Paul does not start the chapter with telling us what we should not do. He starts by saying what we, sh we should do, and we should follow the way of love. We should follow God's example and have a revelation of what he has done for you first. 
And so that requires us to know his character. If we're going to imitate something, we have to know what we're imitating. If we're going to follow something, we have to know what we're following. And what most people don't realize is they don't know God. They don't know his character. They don't know how he feels. They don't know what goes on in his heart because they don't know the word of God. The word of God is not a delight to their heart, so they don't know the personality of God because they're not dipping into the living word of God to understand who he is. So my question today is, if we're going to imitate God, we must know God. <laughs> what I want, what my question to you today is, what am I to follow? How am I to follow? How am I to imitate something that I don't know that I'm, what I'm trying to imitate? What does following look like for me? What does imitating God in the way he walks in love, how is he walking it out so that I can walk it out? That sounds like a pretty simple question, doesn't it? Well, here's what the word imitate actually means. You guys want to know what follow and imitate means? To follow and imitate means a positive imitation that arises by admiring the pattern set by someone worthy of emulation. I'm going to read that again because it's good. A positive imitation that arises by admiring the pattern set by someone worthy of emulation. What is God's pattern? We have to admire what he has done and who he is if we're going to imitate. So my question is, what are you admiring about God? What is it that you personally are admiring about God? Think about it. I admire his mercy. I admire his love. I admire his grace. I admire his forgiveness. His kindness, his acceptance. Patience. I admire your patience, oh God. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. If I admire his patience and I value it and I imitate it, what will my patience look like for others? But if I see God as not being patient, I'm quick to what? To judge and be critical and be impatient of others. So what I'm saying is we don't have a revelation of really the patience of God. We like the idea of him being patient. We like the idea of him being graceful. We like the idea of him being forgiving. But my, my, my thought is, is do we really have a revelation of those attributes of God. I think we talk about them all the time, but they're like smoke. It vaporizes and it goes nowhere. 
because we've not experienced it to the degree that the Lord even today wanted us to experience. What was the, the issue of his love that he was wanting us to experience? So to, the, to, the, to admire the pattern set for you first is where we have to start. By imitating and following what you admire and love about God. And so I have to again ask you, what are you admiring about God? What do you admire about people? What do you about, admire about my life? What do you admire about Michael or, or anybody here? What do you like about people? What do you admire about others? Guys are really quiet today. What are you imitating? The Bible says, be imitators of God, therefore out of love. Just as Christ loved you, just as Christ gave himself for you, just as God was kind with his love, the kind of love that counts no cost, the kind of love that has no end to its sacrifice, the kind of love that bears nothing but gives it all. I'm reminded of the passion. We only think of the movie Passion at Easter, but I admire the, the, the obedience of Christ in laying down his life for you. Do you really understand what he has done for you? Hmm. If we're going to be like him, we must understand what we need to admire about him. To be like God, to resemble him because you know yourself to be loved children of God. Therefore, it moves you. And here's what I'm believing. Paul first starts with you got to have a revelation of his love and how he feels towards you. And then he starts on the sins that these shouldn't even be a part of your life. And if you read that list, I think all of us, if you got the end of that list and there shall not be any hint of sexual immorality, there should be no greed, there should be no all these things. All of a sudden, everybody's disqualified again. So are we under grace still? Or is now Paul now putting us under performance again? Are we still saved by grace? Or am I now under performance? I'm still under grace. But why is Paul now saying that these are the attributes I don't want you to have in your life? To show us where we need to go. To show us, so if there is this thing, if you're struggling in an area of your life, it's not that God's trying to condemn you with that in your life. Amen. He's actually trying to expose it so that you can now begin to imitate him in a different way. He's not here with a stick saying, you idiot, why are you doing that again? Amen. He's saying, no, get a revelation of my love and who I am and how I feel about you that then will give you this power to overcome drugs, alcohol, smoking, uh, sexual immorality, all this garbage that's a part of your flesh. Let me show you my love in that spot because it's different for every one of us. It's different for everyone in this room. You have a struggle somewhere. Every one of us are messed up. If you don't think so, come and talk to me. I'll show you where you're messed up. Because it's very obvious to me. And it's very obvious to you where I'm messed up. 
And sometimes we don't see what we need to see in our own life. And we need good people around us that won't go, (laughs) and give up on us. We actually need to say, oh, that's not who you are, my friend. God's trying to bring a revelation to your heart. Yeah, smoking won't send you to hell, but boy, it'll make you smell like you've been there. Now, come on, and let's go something different. Let me help you. God's trying to bring a revelation of his love in this area of your life. He's not condemning you. Come on, let's go with me, because you're better than that. That's not the imitation of your glorious God who saved you, who set you free, who gave you life and liberty. I've been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. He is my king and glory. And because of that great love, I do not want junk in my life. I do not want to displease him. I want to imitate his love. I want to imitate his grace. I want to imitate his mercy. And when somebody comes around that really tests my love, I want to say, why, God, do I not love him the way you love him? Show me what's in my heart that is driving me nuts about that person because they're driving me nuts. Okay, God, you live with them for a while. And what he does is he brings that person into my, my life to show me what's in my heart, not to condemn me, but to say, Eric, you've got some rough edges still, and you're not reflecting, you're not imitating my love to this person. You see him after the flesh, but I want you to see him, how precious he is to me. How adorable. Have you seen those blue eyes? Have you seen the way they talk? Oh, there's something more in them that you don't see in the imperfection of your love. And I say, so that means I got put up with him longer, huh? (laughs) No, you only have to put him up as long as you get until you get a revelation of my love. Until you start to reflect the beauty of who I am and what I've done for you. Son, I've set you free from this. I've set you free from that. Son, don't you realize you wouldn't be where you're at if I hadn't done what I'd done to you back here. You wouldn't be here. Son, you've done none of this on your own. You aren't wise in your own thinking. You aren't good. What makes you good is me. Oh, you remind me that I'm here, but oh, remember here. And you did that, and you put that person in my life, and you put that person in my life. And oh, what, just at the right time, you did this. And oh, man, I almost took a wrong turn right here. And you, by your grace, you gave me Karen. Do you remember your poverty? Do you remember how broken you were? Do you remember how lost you were without Jesus Christ? How hateful, how angry, how judgmental and critical. And here we are 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, and you're still critical judgment and have some of that garbage in your life. Now, something's got to be wrong with our revelation of love if that, if we're not beginning to reflect and imitate him. Something's wrong with our revelation of love, him. 
if we're not reflecting and imitating that kind of love, walking in the way of love. And I'm not saying that love's always easy. I'm not saying love's just always kind and gentle. Love somebody sometimes says, dude, you're better than that. That's not you. Dude, you, you, God doesn't want you to live that way. But it's not the condemnation. It's the, hey, dude, God's wanting to bring you a revelation of his love for you. Because you don't have a revelation that God wants you to have, or you wouldn't be living that way. If you understood what he's done for you, you wouldn't want to do that. And so really, church, today, there's something wrong with our love. There's something wrong with our revelation of his love and who he is and his character and his nature because we're not rightly reflecting and imitating it. Can I have a witness? And I say it to myself. Hear me today. It is because a man knows himself to be loved by God that therefore stimulates and encourages him to be an imitator of God. Because I am his child, that is what underlies all real imitation and following. Imitation is natural to a child that is loved. Imitation is natural for a child that is loved. I'm telling you, when I was, when Abraham would come into the bed, bathroom when he was young, and we had this toy razor. I mean, he and Joel would use this toy razor, and they would just shave with me and imitate me. Because they loved me and they knew they were loved by me. And they wanted to imitate me. And to this day, there are things my children do to imitate me and they don't even know it. I'm not supposed to use my daughter in a message, but I'm going to. Can I? Give me, give me release. Oh, man. Sure, she said, praise God. And this isn't pleased to brag on me. It is not because I'm a bonehead and she will attest to it. <laughs> Can't I have a witness? Daddy's got issues, doesn't he? But we love each other, don't we? She said something to her mom the other day. She goes, I want a man like that. I was like, who? Because she couldn't have said that a year ago, could you? Not at all, because, man, we were at odds. And we were <laughs> but she knows I'm, she's loved, and I'd do anything for her. But she also is returning that love, and she wants to imitate something that is love. Can I, have an admit, can I say yes and amen? We have got to begin to reflect the love of Jesus. We are so critical. We're so critical, church. We think we're so right and we're so wrong. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. 
And so it is with Christian morality and holiness of living. Don't do this, don't do that never works for righteous living. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Write that down with your children. If you have all kinds of rules, but you don't have a relationship, it leads to rebellion. And so it is with us and God. If you don't have a relationship, a tender relationship, where you know how much God loves you, you'll never want to obey his godly standards or his rules, whatever you want to call them. They're not rules. They're actually ways of blessing you. They're actually, if you live this way, so many blessings will come your way, you won't be able to contain it. God's not holding out on you. He doesn't not want you to have a good time. He actually says, if you'll live this way, all this stuff is going to just overtake you. You'll have more than enough. You'll be greater than you ever can imagine, and you'll have more to give away. And it's not a self-help thing that I get do. I'm going to serve God just so I can get what I want. It's out of love. It's out of love. So living a victorious Christian life does not come out of you working hard to clean your life up. To work hard on yourself to try to get some excellence of character. And then come to God and pray that he accepts you. He's already accepted you. Again, that's putting the cart before the horse. To get to following and imitating and obeying Christ, we have to walk in love. It's the higher way. To walk in love is the higher way. But we have to get a revelation of how much he loves us. I must begin with receiving and taking our personal salvation of God's amazing love for granted. I must take his amazing love for granted. And what I mean, that it's a gift, that it has been granted to me, and that I must just receive it. Amazing love. I'm not saying that we expect it or we take abuse of it or that we assume that it's always going to be there. Yes, it will always be there. But I must take an account where my, my God and his love for me is forever for me. Even in my imperfections. That and only that. <laughs> will make us loving to men and to God. Out of that, goodness and morality flows. Then sexual immorality, greed, covetousness, fornication, the list goes on and on. Those things won't have you. I'm telling you, we've gotten the cart before the horse. Am I making any sense? I'm gonna have Shelly Hansen share testimony about this amazing love. You need to grab that mic right there. I really believe her testimony, again, is going to help us get a revelation of love comes first, and then morality comes second. You got it? Have I got you messed up yet? Yeah, I'm way messed up. Why? Uh, no, it's good. Okay. In a good way. No, it's really good. Well, Lord, mess her up more. <laughs> Don't mess me up more. I have to get through this. 
Okay, so um, I'm going to try to do your message justice, but basically um, my life is this message. I lived out um, kind of the, the message of Ephesians of my life and the way that I got saved. Um, oh. And most of you know my testimony, so sorry, you're going to have to bear through it again. But um, It's always powerful. Shelly, it's always powerful. So, um, so we're going to talk about the darkness for a little bit, the darkness that I walked in and that I lived in before I knew Christ, and um, some of the darkness that I carried with me even after the Lord saved me. Um, I always struggled with depression in my life and things like that, and I began to kind of self-medicate, um, and I started using drugs when I was 18 years old. And um, I started with the, with the big ones, with um, the major hardcore drugs. And I, I did that throughout my um, early 20s, and I would go through seasons of being on them and then seasons of being off of them and being on them and off of them. And, and um, there were just some events that happened in my life, that um, trauma that would come at me, that I couldn't handle certain things. And I would begin to sink into a deeper depression, and I would begin to use drugs again um, I was diagnosed as borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive, and a codependent. So that was the baggage that I carried around with me. And all of this, there was even more um, that came with it. I had experienced um, two abortions, and I also um, believed in, and was, was actively involved in a bisexual lifestyle. So, um, in all of this, I ended up having, um, I was married, I had Mason, I got divorced, I got strung out really bad, I had Joey, gave birth to her, and I mean, like, I was just a really, really hot mess for years. This was from the time I was 18 until I was 25. And at age 25 was when my life began to um, spin and spiral so far out of control that I just couldn't... I couldn't live in that darkness any longer. It was, it was so bad, and it was so dark, and it was so miserable, and I had tried so many times to get clean, and I had detoxed and, and, and lasted about a month and then gotten back on, and then, and then it, was just, it was just a mess. And so the, the final, the last straw, this was in 2003. This was 12 years ago. <clears throat> I ended up... Um, in jail for a little mishap I had. <laughs> and um, I was sitting there in jail, and, and I remember what I understand to be now the Holy Spirit speaking to me because I had got thrown in jail for battery, and so it was 12 hours that you have to sit there. So it was a long time I was without any drugs, and I was detoxing. I was starting to get sick, and I was very ill. And um, I realized now that the Holy Spirit just began to talk to me and, and just start to talk to me about um, my life and what I was doing with my life and um, how I, it was a warning. It was, you're going to be dead or in jail for life. You have to do something. And um, I did. I, as soon as I left jail, I um, just detoxed myself. It took me about five or six days. I think I just laid in bed and, and detoxed off the drugs. And, um, but I was so confused, and I was still very... Um, uh, I could have gone back at any second. Like I could have just, I mean, if the right person would have come along, I would have 
gone right there. In fact, I think I got drunk twice and you know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't, it wasn't like I was, I was still just, just really shaky. And, um, Connie White did my friend Lisa's hair and invited her to this church. And so my friend Lisa drug, um, my sister and her husband, Chris, and I, um, to this church one Sunday. And I mean, you, mean you, they, got, you did drugs before you came or they drug you here? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Actually, I got drunk the night before. Okay. And not kidding. I'm I believe it. Not kidding. And so um so we come walking in to this church right here and I think I sat like right back there and I I mean I still remember you guys still remember everything that happened. I remember Jessica Jilson was dancing back here and she had on this black dress and I remember um the flags that were waving and and the the biggest thing I remember is that I encountered the love of God. It was like, it was like, I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand like this love that was just surrounding me. And it was, I was almost choking on it, like, but in a good way. And, and I felt like the air was hugging me and I was just sobbing and I was crying and all this shame was just, it just was it was like leaving me, and all of a sudden, because you don't know what it's like. I mean, maybe you do. I guess you probably do, but the shame level is so high. You would go to Kroger, and you just knew that everybody there knew you were strung out, and you hated the life that you were in. It's just you hate that shame, and you hated mm-hmm. that, and that was leaving me for the first time in my life. It was leaving me, and I was like, what is to me and it was like I just kept crying and I just felt this love and I was just like oh what is this love what it's that's all I can explain it was just love and it was awesome and so Rob White did an altar call nobody I don't even know what was preached that day because nobody had to preach Uh, it was the worship I've got that problem around here But Rob White got on the microphone and he did an altar call. Didn't even know what that was back then. But, but this is what he said. He said, if you want this love and you want to have this love for the rest of your life, I want you to come down front. And I was like, oh, heck yeah. I mean, I was like, I went running. I didn't even check with my sister to see if she was going to come with me. I found out later she did because I was just like, yes, this is what I want. This is what I've been longing for. This is that missing thing that's been in my life that has kept me messing up all the time. This is why I could never get free. This is why I couldn't do it. And I just received the love of God. And I got drunk in the spirit. I was filled with the spirit. And I'm telling you guys, it was like a party up here. It was crazy. And I got higher than I ever did on the drugs that I did. I'm telling you, it was just crazy. And so here's what happened is I left that day and I was a new person. And I was ready to receive everything that God had for me. I was even willing to believe, because I had heard stories of God. I never went to church as a kid, except for maybe like with a friend. I had heard stories, you know, that the earth was created in seven days and blah, blah, blah. And I was so scientifically minded that I was like, mm, whatever. And but I was even willing to believe that. I wanted to believe every single word that was in the Bible. I wanted to. I yes. wanted to. Except there was one thing I hung on to right after I got saved. And that was the lie that I was bisexual. Because that was part of my identity. That was part of who I really believed that I was. And let me tell you, that community, the, the, that community is, they are loving, caring, giving, wonderful people. And they accept you. And there's, it's like a camaraderie. And there's this 
feeling of belonging that I had never had before. I had never had that. And I began to experience it in church. It's almost like a separate religion or church or whatever because it's community. And so I didn't want to let go of that. That was part of my identity. And so I, I almost, it was almost a deal breaker for me. Almost. It was, I was this close. But then I, then I met a guy the day after I got saved. <laughs> oh, and it carried me through God. a little bit. <laughs> That's an inside joke for okay. only the people who know the person that I dated. <laughs> the mercy of God. Ah, that's true. Okay, so listen. I know. <laughs> okay, so um, I. It was almost a deal breaker for me, and I almost walked away because I knew, I knew that you weren't supposed to be that way. And, um, but I was like, but why would God make me this way? Because I really, truly believe that I had been created that way. But this is what I did with the Lord. And, and it was almost like, I don't know, I guess I was good at hearing from God even back then because this is kind of how we made this deal. I made this deal with God, and I was like, let's just not talk about it for a little bit. Let's just... Put a pin in it. Put it on the bulletin board, and we're just going to talk about it later. That's what I really felt like the Lord wanted me to know is we're going to talk about this later. You just get to know me. You get to know my character. You get to know who I am, and we're going to talk about this later. And so that's what, that's what I decided to do. I was like, whatever. I'm just going to, we're going to talk about it later. And let me tell you, he was true to his word because that first encounter that I had with God, that radically, I was like, that was enough to change the way I did every single thing in my life. And I wanted to serve him. I wanted to imitate him. I wanted to be that. But that one thing that I held on to, I needed to get to know him and trust him a little bit more before I could let go of it, before I could understand it. And do you know the line in the Iron Giant that said, you are who you choose to be? You know what I'm talking about? And, um, and that's basically what it is, is your identity. You can either choose to believe the identity that you've created for yourself or that the enemy has for you, or you can choose to let go of that and receive the identity that, that you have in Christ because it's there. It's yours for the taking. You just have to figure it out. And so two months, I'm, I'm walking with the Lord for two months, understanding who he is and his character and his love, and I'm getting to know him, and I'm getting to see that he's trustworthy and that he's good and that he's safe. And that my identity is in him. And I'm beginning to just, just really go, okay, this is, a, this is a good guy. You know, I can trust him. And so there was one day that, that I was here. Again, I'm probably right here. I'm up front in worship. And um, Kate Preble at the time, Kate Stute, came to me. And she started praying for me. And this was, this was the time that God said, now it's time to talk about it. And Kate was praying for me. And she said, she said, hey, would it be okay if um, we went out to the couches and we just, I just want to pray for you and I have some things I just want to share with you. And I was like, yeah, sure. And she, you guys, she was so loving and it was so precious and it was so great. And she just said, you know, I'm sensing this thing that's on you. And, um, and I just wondered if we could talk about it. I'm like, yeah, sure. And she goes, do you struggle with like homosexuality and bisexual? And I was like, yeah. And she, I'm like, yeah, I do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And she's like, she says, well, and she explained to me um, about how it's kind of like a, a plan from the enemy and how there's this spirit that can attach to us and it begin to, to attach to our identity and how we can believe these lies. And, and she's like, and did you know that you can, 
you can get rid of it. If, if she said, if you want to get rid of it, then you can, and we can pray for, for you right now. And I go, I can get rid of it? And she's like, yeah. And I go, yeah. I mean, all this time, I thought, I just thought it was there. I thought I was plagued by it. I thought it was just who I was going to be forever. I had no idea. I didn't understand what, what this was. And you guys, I loved God so much. I loved him so much. And I began to trust him so much that I literally, I willingly, and it wasn't just willingly, I joyfully laid it down. Like I joyfully laid it down and I prayed and I was just like, yeah. And I was excited and I joyfully laid it down and I never had another thought ever. Like I was free at that moment from that moment on. Free. You're not, you're not that good. I know. Oh, no. Cause I had tried, I had tried to clean myself up. I had tried to walk a certain way. And it just didn't work. But it was the love of God that brought me into change. And Amen. Praise God. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Amen. The Bible says in 1 John, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. And in Ephesians 3, which we studied several weeks ago, in Ephesians 3, 17, it says, I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power. I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The fullness of God will overtake you when you get this kind of love. How many want a revelation of that? Stand up with me. We could have the worship team come up, we're going to sing a song, and as they prepare, one of the things that I wanted to make a point, as Paul went through the list of that there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality, of any kind of impurity, greed, he says, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Is the word has, past, or present? Is it future, or is it present? The word has means now. Paul was not talking about, you will not have heaven if you live this way. If he would have meant that, he would have said, you will not have an inheritance. That would have been future tense. Paul was saying that if you want to experience the kingdom of heaven here and now, you can't live that way. What he was saying was, is not what we're standing for as a church, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, as it is where? Did Ephesians 3 that we studied several weeks ago, did it not say that you are the workmanship of Christ and that you are to display the manifold wisdom of God 
to the rulers and powers. <laughs> see, what I believe, if we want to see signs, wonders, and miracles, that's the kingdom. I believe the army of God needs to rise up and get a revelation of the love of God. Because it's the love of God that will compel us not to live that way. And when we don't live that way, we will have the power to display the kingdom of God now. We will have the kingdom of God now. We're going to sing a song, and I just pray today that the Spirit of God would convict you. Maybe there's some things you need to lay down that you've been confessing over and over, and maybe you need to come to the altar. That's great. If you need to receive this amazing love, then we want to help you. If you don't know Christ, we want to lead you to the King of glory who loves you tremendously. But I'm praying today that there would come a revelation of this love that Shelley was talking about, that we get a download from heaven of his love that then compels me to obey and to live in a different way. How many want to live differently? How many want to live differently? Does the army of God want to rise up righteous with healing in your wings? Then I say today, God, would you release over us as we sing this song, would you release a powerful revelation of your love that we get it deep inside of us, how you feel, your character, your nature today, God. Give it to us so that we might live different. Thank you for giving your amazing love to us. That while we were yet sinners, you, in your amazing love, died for us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your love. Pray this week, as the enemy comes to try to condemn, that we would rise up a standard against him and declare that you are our king and that we choose to honor you with our lives. We love you, Lord. Father, bless your people as they go. Reveal your nature. Reveal your character to us this week so that we might stand for your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May you be blessed today in Jesus' name.